Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio. I am your host, Cheryl Todd, and I am excited to be here today with John Crump. Now, John is a firearms journalist and NRA instructor. He is the Virginia State Director of Gun Owners of America and a lifelong constitutional advocate. John is one of the organizers of an event coming up in April of 2020. We're already leaning into 2020 in Virginia called Gun-a-thon for GOA. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So tell us about this. What the heck is a, a gun-a-thon? The Gunathon is basically a fundraiser for GOA, and also it is to push acceptance of 2A issues among the 2A community and beyond. Maybe bringing some people who are on the fence about 2A over to our side. We're going to be having a lot of speakers there, including you. Yay! Yay for me to be invited. Thank you so much. We're going to be having like other speakers like Maj Torre of Black Guns Matter, who's an incredible speaker uh kevin dixie of uh, nfc firearms is going to be speaking philip uh, philip van cleave of the virginia citizens defense league eric pratt of goa uh, john Patton of the gun collective just a wide range of speakers and in addition to the speakers we're going to be having some big uh, name youtubers eric from iraqi vet 888 is going to be there hank strange is going to be there uh a bunch of people, American Gun Check. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she does some great work in acceptance. She's been basically documenting her foray from a non-shooter into shooting, which is kind of cool. So it's going to be really, really awesome. In addition to that, we're going to have a bunch of manufacturers there that's going to bring out their firearms to display and people are going to be able to actually shoot so think of it as like a lot smaller than nra but you can actually handle and fire the stuff that they have there we got 33 lanes we, got, we even have some machine guns coming so that's going to be really cool um it's going to be a good time that is awesome. And I'm excited that I'm going to get to meet in person some of these wonderful people that are doing great work out there that I have known for years, some of them, but only online. And so yeah. I'll get to, to meet them in person. And those opportunities are so important. That is where you really can gel your connection, your relationship, uh, help you realize, oh, this person really needs to meet this other person in my world. Um, and I just I really applaud you for putting something like this together. And especially with the idea that one of your goals is to reach the, uh, the ungunned, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually going to have some celebrities that I cannot say right now. I can tell you one. Uh, uh, Jason David Frank, who played the uh, Green Ranger in Power Rangers. Oh, cool. Young guy, so he's going to be there. And he actually brings in a lot of people. I didn't realize the size of his following, but he has like 7 million followers. So he would come out just to see him. Uh, and there's some other big name people that we haven't named inside politics and outside politics in the celebrity world that are going to be coming out. So it's going to be a great time. Fantastic. I cannot wait for that. When I was um, typing up my notes for this, I had put, you know, April 2019. And I was like, no, wait a minute. This is we are already talking about the year 2020. And of course, that's, uh, there's a lot of ground to cover um, in the year 2020, because we have elections coming up, we have all this talk about our Second Amendment rights, and anything that we can do to help people understand us better, right? As human beings who value our Second Amendment rights and, and understanding the tools themselves is so vital and so important. So um, this is perfectly timed for all of that. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time. 
the facility is a shooting range, but it also is connected to an MMA arena. And that's where we're going to have all the booths and the speakers set up. Fun. And so how, how do people, are you selling tickets? Are you just uh, getting people to kind of click on the event page on Facebook? What's the process for somebody saying, I'm raising my hand and I'm coming? Uh, we released uh, pre-sale tickets right now. Um, it's unannounced ticket sales right now. Uh, we said we're going to start selling them on October 1st, but we put them out there because some people were asking about it. So we went ahead and released it to people in the know because we have a feeling it's probably going to sell out. Um, go to uh, yeah, gunathon.com. That's our website. You can find it there at gunathon.com. We are also, you can find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook event. If you go to Black Swan Media Group, which is my small little company, we have an event on our page where people can actually say they're attending and buy tickets. That's new as well. That just launched as well. Very good. You said Black Swan Media Group? BlackSwanMediaGroup.com. Very good. And Gunathon.com was available? Yeah, Gunathon.com was available. Go figure. That's brilliant. Yeah. And if you take... Uh, the letters, the G-A-T, the initials, spells GAT, which is a slang for a gun. <laughs> That's, I'm writing that down. That's, I wouldn't have caught that, but good on you. Okay, so... That's a huge event. That's going to be exciting. It's going to show the fun side of the shooting sports um, and the, the human side of those of us that uh, value our Second Amendment rights. I, I think when we do that sort of thing, it makes it a lot harder for the side that just doesn't get it or they get it and they're, they're, they just hate the idea of guns and those of us that own them. It makes it harder for them to stereotype us makes it harder for them to vilify us. Um, so that's going to be great. Yeah. So one, one more thing I want to say about it. One of the things I did with the speakers, I organized all the speakers. I wanted to have speakers from a cross section of gun people. So we have women, we have minorities, we have white males, of course. Uh, we have every type of cross section of gun owners you can think and a lot of them bring really powerful stories mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. for sure i think that's that's brilliant um because gun that is who gun owners are we are the average cross-section of america um you know they like to stereotype and say that well all gun owners are just like 50 and over camo wearing dudes with beards and then there's me. Like, how do I fit that stereotype? I'm like the Betty Crocker of guns. So uh, I think that it's important for people to realize that um, and my little my little pin here, my little hashtag, polka dots are my camo. Because nobody walks into a room and spots me immediately as one of those crazy gun people, right? right. Exactly. So, and speaking of crazy and gun people, I wanted to talk with you about this whole thing that's been batted around very carelessly, I think, in the media um, and politics about red flag gun laws. Um, help us understand that better because, you know, the idea of a red flag, that, that sounds like something bad, but to the average voter, who has a gajillion plate spinning in their life and they're like everybody else where they're like squirrel, you know, they're constantly distracted. Okay. Red flag. It's bad, but who is it bad for? Or is it good? And who is it good for? Can you kind of walk us through a little bit about what these red flag laws are all about? At GOA, we refer to them as gun confiscation laws because basically that is what they are. Basically, without due process, they can come in and take your firearms on a suspicion, not the police suspicion, but a suspicion of a roommate or a family member or anyone like that, which is insane. And on average, it's taking people between seven dollars and $10,000 to get their firearms rights back. It's happening across the nation. I think uh, there's 19 states now. There was 18 until New Jersey's 
went into effect. I think that makes that 19 states that have them in effect. And they, they were pushing Congress to make a nationwide red flag laws. People think that it's going to keep them safe, but it's not. What it's doing, it's going to be able to disarm people who need guns for self-protection. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a battered woman. Your ex-husband can call in a red flag on you and get your guns taken away, which is protecting you from him. And red flags laws are costing people their lives already. If you look in Maryland, a gentleman was killed when police showed up at his door at 5 a.m. and tried to get in. So he came out with a gun because if anybody's trying to break down my door at 5 a.m., I'm going to assume that it's a home invasion. So they shot him, and he passed away. And what that was over was a family dispute. It was like a revenge against him. So he wasn't actually a danger to anyone, and now he's gone. And we're going to see that a lot. In Florida, there was a guy named uh, John Carpenter. I wrote extensively about it, Amaland. I actually helped him out as well. Hank Strange brought me this story, and I looked into it, and it, it was crazy. Basically, somebody took out a restraining order on someone who was dealing drugs at their house. It was an old lady that rented out a room to a guy named John Carpenter. And he started dealing drugs. So she took out a search warrant, for, or not a search warrant, uh, a restraining order against a John Carpenter. Well, they did a check, and they found a John Carpenter with a concealed handgun permit. Different John Carpenter. Didn't match the description at all. The guy had, had black hair. John Carpenter's bald. The guy's like 5'5". Five, five. John Carpenter's six foot. The guy's... 225 pounds. John Carpenter was over 200 pounds. But yet, they re- they revoked his concealed carry and tried to get his guns. Luckily, Florida carry, GOA, and a lot of pressure from the media, because I reached out to everyone I knew, put pressure on them. And it took a police captain to go out and take a picture of him and bring it to the person to say, is this the person that well, that was your roommate dealing drugs? And they're like, no. So we were able to take care of that without court. But before we got involved, they wanted him to go to court to prove it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. So they revoked his rights on nothing. And then that unintentionally, that wasn't the point of me bringing it up, but that uh, bleeds over into this whole idea of uh, universal background checks. People's identities are stolen, people's identities are mistaken, Um, people's rights are being uh, denied that simply, right? Where they were actually seeking to revoke something this man already had, his concealed carry license, I believe is what you're saying. And take his guns. And take his guns. And even that right there, so, if they take his guns, if he were to be some kind of a bad character, if he were to be a threat to self or others, just taking his guns that suddenly cures him, he suddenly just at one with the universe and, and just only wants to do good, what is the point of just taking this one particular class of tool that people use for good and for bad? They're anti-gun. That that's simple as it is. They want to take your guns any way possible. It's not going to stop bad people from doing bad things. In fact, today, uh, I think this is recorded in advance. But yes, today, September eleventh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, there was a mass stabbing in Florida, mm. which didn't really get a lot of airplay this morning. But like five people were stabbed by a guy running around with a knife, and that. Mm. Not hear that, but I'll look it up. Yeah, you have to look it up. It's it's buried deep down, and that just shows there's an agenda. If it doesn't fit their agenda, it goes away. Hmm. Well, what do you think it is that's causing people to just kind of like buy into this whole? Oh yeah, red flag gun laws are good, and they just start doing this agreeing head bob instead of thinking it through realizing that people do use knives to harm themselves and others um, and that 
the person, the thing that needs to be quarantined is the person that is a threat to self or others. Why do you feel like people are buying into this to the point that 19 states have already enacted this? The media, the media pushes an agenda. They want to push red flag laws. So you're not going to see the evils of red flag laws. They're going to show you, hey, this, this works, this works. They're going to bring on people who support it and then build up public uh, pressure for red flag laws, which then causes the Republicans to relent on it because they don't want to look bad in the eyes of their constituents. But red flag laws are not only a violation of the Second Amendment, but a violation of the due process clause of the Constitution. But people are being, I hate to say it, they're being brainwashed by the media. They're not doing their own research. Mm-hmm. One thing I hear is it's going to cut down on suicides. And if you look at the suicide rates in the United States versus the Scandinavian countries where people on that side usually like the point, the suicide rates in the Scandinavian countries are higher. It's higher in Germany. It's, it's way higher in Japan, higher in Russia. So it's higher in all these states and all these countries that have strict gun laws, but yet they have more suicides. So by saying red flag laws is going to reduce the number of suicides, I disagree. Mm-hmm. You've got evidence to show you that that is not automatically going to be the case. Um, so that I agree with you. I think that people are just being duped. We're very busy people. We've got tons going on. We're distracted all the time. And whichever side can soundbite an issue better is the side that's going to win or use really emotional based language. And, um, right now that is the side that is against freedom. And I, we truly on this side of the gun, uh, of the rights uh, issue, we have to get better about being able to portray our messages in smaller bite sizes that use just enough emotion to capture people's attention, but then immediately go into logic so that it sticks in their brain and they're able to, to remember it when it's time to stand in front of a ballot box or to call their legislator. So, um, Emotion is good to spur people to action, but actions based solely on emotion is bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about who, and in different states, uh, different people are allowed to make the initial call uh, to red flag someone. Um, But in some states, it's a coworker. And I'm like, have you never heard of people sabotaging one another in their, um, you know, a competitive uh, career field or something that it's a, it's just a bad plan. And then when people are like, oh, but it's those closest to him. So your family member, have you never seen a, a ugly divorce, right? Or uh, parents who are, um, you know, maybe aging parents, maybe their children aren't associating well with them and they're getting red flag this whole thing is just going to cause the courts to get filled up with you know the garbage that happens in families and relationships it's going to cause tons of gun confiscation and there's no real clear pathway in some of these states for okay how do i a get my reputation back once i've been red flagged b how do i afford to defend myself in court, the time it takes off work to go into court, that's a consideration. And how do I get my firearms restored to me? And are they going to even be in good condition anymore? Because I've seen how, how certain agencies will collect firearms and they basically throw them in a 50 gallon garbage can. Uh, and, you know, people collect firearms and they have a lot of their financial wherewithal tied up in their firearms collections. And, uh, you know, one ding, one scratch and something that was worth money is now worth less. There's a collector in Philadelphia who had his massive arsenal of guns, his 34 guns taken. And NBC called it a massive arsenal, but he was a collector. That's, that's, that's barely a start, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and most of the guns were from World War II. And he got red flagged. The police are planning on destroying the guns unless he can successfully petition and prove that he's not a danger to himself and others, which is insane because the burden of proof should be on the state and not on the person. Absolutely, 100%. Um, all right, well, moving along from there, the, the thing that makes the difference in how these kinds of ideas that get floated, that become issues, that become bills, that get voted on, that is when it becomes really clear to us that it is important who we have elected in our various states. Like here in Arizona, we used to be very, very conservative, very red, as they say, um, for the GOP party, the um, Republicans. We're much more purplish now. Uh, it's a blend. Our governor wears the R on his chest, right? The Republican. And, uh, but he's very squishy on some of the gun laws. And he likes the idea of the red flag gun law. And the last thing I heard um, Lindsey Graham, I believe it was, say was that, well, we're not going to have a federal red flag gun law, but we're going to uh, give money to the states who adopt these laws, right? That write their own laws. Well, what does a politician love more than some federal money? Um, so these things are important. It is important who we vote for to understand the person's previous voting record to know if they are true to the constitution or if they're true to their career, right? It's a difference between a public servant and a politician. So you've got some elections coming up in Virginia in uh, November, which is, we're gonna blink and it's gonna be November. Talk to us about what's going on there. Well, over the summer, they had a special session on guns. And it was the candle kicked down the road to November when they're going to vote on all these gun stuff, like an assault weapons ban and magazine limitations and red flag laws and stuff like that. And that's going to be in November. The Republicans and the pro-gun people hold the majority of one person. And that one person was decided by picking a name out of a hat because there was a tie, and that's how they break ties from Virginia. They pick a name out of that. Okay, if that's working for you. <laughs> yeah. So if, if that would have went another way, we would have a bunch of gun laws on the books. Mm -hmm. So everyone in the Virginia legislature is up for re-election in November. It's important that we get as many pro-gun candidates re-elected as possible and try to expand our margins. But if we don't, we're going to lose a lot of gun rights. Uh, uh, Nick Freitas, who's down in the southern part of Virginia, he is running a writing campaign because for some reason he's not on the ballot. And he, I'm not sure really what happened and how that happened. But um, so we need people to write his name in. We need people to campaign and let people know about him. We also need other pro-gun candidates to be pushed so what i want everyone to do is in virginia is and everywhere actually is to look up where they stand on pro-gun issues are they anti-gun are they pro-gun and also look at the other issues and vote for who you think that's going to expand your freedom and not and you know and not take away your rights so there's lots of sites like ballotopia is out there, which has a breakdown of every candidate in every state race. And you can look on there. But I would highly, highly suggest if you are pro-gun in Virginia to get out there and vote for the pro-gun candidates because we are this close to losing our gun rights in Virginia. Hmm. And that kind of takes me to my next question. So people that are listening or watching this all across the nation, they might have been tempted to, to check out, like, well, I live in Virginia, so why do I care what's going on there? Why should they care what's going on in Virginia and all the states across the nation? 
because it's a domino effect. The more and more states that pass anti-gun laws, the harder it is for you to get your guns. And that also emboldens the gun grabbers so they can concentrate all their money on different states. If we defeat them in all 50 states, they're not going to have enough money because money is the key to getting these issues passed. But if we let them pick off one state after another, then your state's going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You might say, well, my state's never going to turn blue and be anti-gun. But look at Virginia. Virginia used to be a solidly red state as far back as like like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was solidly red, and now we're a blue state. Mm-hmm. So that's in one generation changed. We have to change it back. Mm-hmm. So I will fight in any state for any gun rights because I know once a right gets taken away in that state, it's, they're going to try to take it away in Virginia soon enough. Well, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that is so it's frustrating and infuriating, actually, to me that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which the Bill of Rights is the firewall that tells the government you're not allowed on this side of that, right? So the Second Amendment is not for the government to even be monkeying with. Uh, so people that, that want to jump over that wall they've happened to just have grouped into this camp called the Democrats. And people that have decided, well, maybe just because the other side is over here, well, we're gonna be over here and we're gonna be for our constitutional rights and our Bill of Rights, or maybe they truly believe in it. I think there's a mixture. Um, But it's infuriating to me that it has become a political volleyball, right? Uh, these rights, they're civil rights, they're human rights, they're women's rights. Your right to protect and defend your one and only life, that is given to you by your creator, yeah. by nature, by God, whatever your particular uh, spirituality would say. And it's infuriating to me that by just saying, well, Virginia is a blue state, means that you guys have your gun rights threatened, your constitutional protections of your God-given natural rights. That is a very, to me, that just cheapens the, all the work, all the sacrifice that our founding fathers went through when they pushed tyranny off of the shores of this nation. Yeah, they're called inalienable rights, and that means from the creator, God, whatever you want to believe in. That's where they come from. The Bill of Rights, which the Second Amendment is a part of, sometimes is referred to as the document of negative liberties. Doesn't mean negative liberties for the people, but negative liberties for the federal government, saying you can't touch these. And the Bill of Rights is different from the rest of the constitutional amendments because they say these are inalienable rights. We're not giving you these rights, you have them. We're just saying, that we acknowledge that you have them and they're not from us, they're from the creator and we can't touch them. Absolutely. And yet they are touching them in every state. They're trying everything they can to try to get over, around, under, or through that firewall of the, the list of negative rights. Uh, and it's, it's frightening, actually, to think how much ground they have. They, meaning the ones that don't value our rights, that are the enemies of freedom. It's amazing to me how much ground they have been able to gain uh, to infringe on something that the only place in the entire Constitution or Bill of Rights, the only place that the the rights for dummies clause, right? You can't screw this up clause shall not be infringed. The only place those words appear is in the second amendment. They're like, all right, we're going to make this so that nobody can misconstrue it. And yet here we are, uh, you know, piece after piece after piece of those freedoms and those rights 
we have given away. I don't think anybody took them. I think we gave them away. And right now we have people that are basically wanting to throw the rights at the government and say, please, legislators, please take this from us. We're just not responsible enough to, to have this uh, or my neighbor's not, right? And by the way, I think they need a red flag law because I heard them yell at their dog, right? Right, exactly. Um, people who say the Second Amendment isn't about an individual or right to own guns is either one of two things, either seriously misinformed or intellectually dishonest. Mm -hmm. If you read the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, you can see exactly what they meant in the Second Amendment. They go into in-depth about it. If you look at the writings of Madison, who actually wrote the amendment, he says what it means in some of his writings. And by, by saying that it doesn't mean that, it's, it's unfathomable that anybody who read the writings of Madison, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, would actually think that. Well, I think there's a lot of willful ignorance going on out there. I, I think people just, they, they want to believe what they want to believe, and they want this to just be a closed deal and move on. And, you know, the other thing, when I think about how it's, it's kind of bizarre, like if you were, you know, if you were to be a founding father and be able to peek into today, it's bizarre that it has become, you know, something that's so integral to each individual life. It definitely was in that time for hunting, for protection against two-legged and four-legged predators, you know, on and on and on, that it has be, it has fallen down these political lines. But um, the, the idea that it's, it, it's so integral to every life, and yet half the country, I don't know how many voters are registered as Democrats, but half of them have not only said that it's not important to them, but that it can, it cannot be something that is allowed for their neighbor. That's, that's just mind boggling to me. Yeah, it's a scary time. If you read like uh, 1984 and other books like that about dystopian societies, you will see a common trend and that is one of them. Absolutely. So, you know, if we are doing a good job of our messaging, like if we could find those little sound bites that help to tell our side of the story quickly and succinctly, uh, and then we put them out on social media or things like that, uh, we could really help people better understand what their rights are for, where they come from, uh, why they deserve to be preserved. But then, there's this thing going on out there where our messages aren't getting moved forward in the same way that messages that are anti-freedom get moved forward. Um, and that takes me to a, a book that you're working on. You said you're working on a book about deplatforming tactics. So deplatforming, what, what is that exactly? Uh, the book is called The Leftist Guide to Deplatforming. You can go to deplatforming.com. The, the introduction, the first two chapters are up there. I'm still working on the rest of it because I keep on going back because I get more and more examples. Uh, basically, what deplatforming is, it's tactics that the left in particular uses to deplatform people. Imagine you have a deck of cards, and they can pull out a card and say, oh, you're for uh, – border security, you're xenophobic. So it basically techniques that they use that prevent them from having to argue facts with you. They can just label you something and write you off. Um, for one example, uh, Nikki Haley was um, an ambassador to the UN. Well, they called her because she is uh, of Indian descent, they called her xenophobic, and her parents are immigrants from India. And if you brought that up, they said, "Look, she's not even using her real Indian name. She's using, she's using Nikki, and her last name is Haley. That's not her real last name. 
well, she got married, so she took her husband's last name. <laughs> and Nikki is a word in Hindu that means little one, which was her nickname growing up. Uh, that's one example. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza gets called all sorts of names and as well. Uh, if you look at Patriot Prayer, they call Joey Gibson a white supremacist. Joey Gibson is of Japanese descent. And the vice president of Patriot Prayer is Samoan. But they call them white supremacists. It's basically labeling you something and trying to get the media to buy into it that you're not. So they don't have to argue facts with them. And the book goes through and it lists different techniques that they use, whether it's the race card, xenophobic, uh, Islamophobic. Um, the Quilliam Foundation was called an anti-Islamic organization by the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center. They eventually got sued and had to pay a lot of money to Quilliam Foundation and released a public apology for that. But that's one of the things they do. The Quilliam Foundation is a foundation ran by Muslims to combat Islamic extremism. So they were calling them Islamic phobic when they're actually Muslims. Themselves. Isn't yeah. that, and you know, I, I thought it was bad to stereotype. But exactly. clearly it just depends on which side of the political aisle you ascribe to. Well, yeah, they, they love to stereotype people on the right. It's it's really upside down world. And when you talked about novels about dystopian uh, societies, really, I mean, I was very very late in life to read uh, the Animal Farm, but I read it uh, just a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're in it. We're we're on the farm right now. Exactly with uh you know the constant repetition of just certain things and then the sheep just pick it up and now it becomes reality because they just heard it enough times um i think that's also called gaslighting and it's it's frightening to me how easily and i think it's because we're busy people but how easily very very smart people start doing the head bob they start going oh yeah well i heard this phrase and i heard it from several different sources so they think it's real but what really happened was each source just keeps uh referencing either the original or referencing each other so it's not like you know 10 different independent journalists went out there and came to the same conclusion uh from the data that they themselves analyzed, they just picked something up and repeated it like the sheep on Animal Farm. It's, yep. it's craziness to me. Yeah, that actually happened when I was researching the story. There was a statistic, which was like way off. I cannot remember exactly what it was, but it was like way off. And I knew it was very off because I looked at the FBI data um, and the CDC data. And I was like, okay, this is way off. So I contacted the source who printed it and they said this is our source and i kept on going around and around and around until i got referred back to the original article that i was researching there you go no so the number was was false because it wasn't really based on anything and no one's really sure where this number came from well and then there's that whole i don't know if it's you know the fake news or if it's purposeful misinformation or if it is that people are just not very knowledgeable and informed about the things that they're being polled about. So there's this thing that's like, oh, 89% of American citizens believe that we need like stronger um, gun laws or they, they believe we need universal background checks. Well, how many of those 89%, assuming that that's actually true, Stronger than what is always my question. Stronger gun laws than what? What gun laws can you name to me? Do you even know what's on the books? Because there is actually a law to cover everything 
that that people are afraid of happening and yet you know laws laws give the legal community teeth once somebody has done the wrong thing that's really what laws do they they very rarely actually prevent bad things from happening so what what laws do you even know about and what do you know about the thing that you think needs to be in place so if you're like oh yay universal background checks what does that mean do you even know but you're going to say yes on this poll because really what you're saying with your yes is I just want to feel safer. Well, and if people could understand, well, me too. I want to feel safer too. That is why I carry a firearm and why I train and why I've instilled those values in my daughter to be her own immediate responder. We all want to feel safer, but I don't believe that putting the boot of government on the neck of my neighbor is the way to do that. Well, Elon Musk once said that 80% of all statistics are fake. I kind of <laughs> agree with that. That's cute. He used a statistic to do it. That's good. Yeah, that's a part of the joke, I guess. But I've actually done research into how they get these numbers. And what I found is usually they're from people like the Brady campaign, which is a huge one that does all these polling. And the way they do the polling is with loaded questions. Mm -hmm. They don't say, do you, do you believe that we need more gun laws? They will say, do you believe that we need to stop mass shootings by adding more gun laws? <laughs> you know? So right. they, they, they phrase it in a way where you're like, yeah, I believe that, that there should be less mass shootings. Right, right. But, Are you going to say, no, I think we've got the right number of mass shootings or no. Yeah. I think we need more mass shootings. So yeah, you're right. They they word it exactly in such a way to guide the answers that they're looking for. Yeah, both sides do that, mm -hmm. but just the technique. It's been around forever. Mm -hmm. I had a statistics professor in college who talked about you tell me what you want it to say, what you want people to say, and I will get you a survey with random people with the results that you want. That's the truth. That is the truth. Well, so how do we talk to people who still have an open mind, who they're not in the camp of, you know, everything with a trigger is evil and has to be beaten into plowshares, right? Or the people that are already strong on the constitution, they're not going to, from either polar opposite, they're not likely to move from their place. But we have all this area in the middle, people that truly are open to hearing dialogue, hearing debate, not being talked at, right? Not being talked down to. Uh, how do we engage that community to gain a greater level of acceptance for to renormalize really is what it would be you, firearms used to be the most normal thing to be in everybody's home like you got a drawer full of knives and you've got a few guns around that do different things right uh shotgun for one thing and a pistol for another and you know rifle for another it was very normal somehow it's become unnormalized how do we how do we bring people back to the mindset that it's, it is just a tool um, and it's a very valid tool to want to have in your home. I think you hit the nail on the head when you say don't talk at them. Mm. What I would suggest is to listen to them. Listen to what their concerns are. Mm. Basically, you're going to hear the same things over and over again, but that's fine. But just listen to it. They're going to tell you, I feel unsafe going into a school i don't feel unsafe for my kids in school and then you ask why do you feel unsafe about your kids in school and they be like well i'm afraid of mass shootings and then i ask questions like well do you know how many mass shootings there are and usually they're like no and instead of saying well guess what they're blah 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 you say, you know, I've done a lot of research into this, and I've actually saw that there's actually less mass shootings now than there was five years ago. And 
instead of talking to them, just find out what the concerns are and speak to that point instead of talking at them. I was uh, talking about an assault weapons ban, an assault weapons ban. I usually use my two fingers. Yes. With someone who said, oh, we need, we should do it. It would lessen crime. And I was like, oh, why do you think that? And another guy piped up and goes, you're wrong. It won't lessen crime, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, don't argue with them. Listen to them and give them your point of view. Because when you argue with someone and you take an adversary stand, stance against them, they're going to pull back and they're going to go try to defend their ideas because they're, they feel like they're being attacked. So you got to talk to them in a way where they don't feel like they're being attacked, where they just feel like it's an exchange of information. And usually you can flip them that way. Once they actually look at the subject with real data, they usually like, huh, maybe you're right. But if you attack them, it's not going to work. Well, that is so true and so valid. And in any relationship, in any conversation that you have, if what's that? It has to be two ways. It does. And you have to establish a I am for you stance. If you're immediately in an adversarial stance, then they definitely don't feel that any information you offer them is for their benefit. They're going to feel that it's for your benefit. And um, what's that? It's like you're trying to take them down. You're trying to make them look stupid, which we shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, People that truly are still open-minded, we're doing them and ourselves a disservice. If instead of talking to them as who they are, we're trying, we're seeing like painted over them the last, you know, staunch anti person that was flaming you on Facebook or whatever. Um, you know, that's not, that's not fair and that's not right. Engage each person, I think is what you're saying as an individual and engage their concerns as valid because yeah. they're valid to them, whether they're valid to you or not. You know Devin Perkins, I take it. Uh, Devin and I were down in Richmond for a gun rights rally a couple months back. And he talked to an anti-gun person that was on the anti-gun side of the anti-gun rally. We had a pro-gun rally. And by talking to her, he was able to flip her to our side. Well, see, that's the thing right there. And, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a kind person to begin with. And um, I think that 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 goes a long way right there. People that are, they see themselves as a hammer and all they're doing is looking for the next nail to hit. Um, I think we may have too many of those sometimes on our side. Um, So that's huge credit to, to Devin and to the person who was open-minded enough to listen to what he was saying. So that's awesome. Um, Well, we've got to start wrapping up, but, uh, we talked earlier about the Gunathon, so I definitely want to wrap up on on uh, telling folks again how they can get their tickets and get involved in that. But it's the Gunathon for the GOA. Tell us just a little bit more about what is the GOA? What do they do? Gun Owners of America is the true no compromise gun lobby. Uh, we're kind of like the NRA, but we also don't do as much uh, issues beyond guns. Uh, we Our issue is Second Amendment issues, and we focus on that. Uh, we're against universal background checks. We're against the NFA. We're against red flag laws. Uh, we don't believe any of that's going to make you safer. We believe that is going to make us less safe and we're not willing to compromise on our principles Mm -hmm. to score a couple victory points Mm -hmm. so you're not going to also not going to see like a goa tv or anything like that either Uh, all the money goes to gun rights uh it's a very very tight budget um so we save money wherever wherever possible Mm-hmm. Like if I get sent somewhere with Jordan, who's the director of communications, we're going to look for the cheapest hotel we can find 
and split the room mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that way it leaves more money to um, the GOA to, to do good stuff like fight for gun rights and That's awesome. fire so, lawsuits and whatnot. GOA TV. This is GOA TV right now because you're the representative, and uh, right. So this is our version of that. And what I think is so interesting is that you described the first thing you said about the gun owners of America is that they're you're the true no compromise group. And yet, what was the topic we were just talking about? Is that doesn't mean that you, you can be a no compromise person when it comes to your rights and not be a hammer looking for a nail in exactly. everyone around you. I, I think that's an important uh, point to put on that, is um, that being able to communicate with others and message well and help people feel heard and also educated so they can come to their own conclusion. Um, that's very cool. You wouldn't think that that would be top of mind for something that describes himself as a no compromise group. Yeah. I mean, hammers are needed some places Mm -hmm. like going against a true gun grabbing mom's demand action, not going to change your mind. I'm looking to make you look stupid person. Then yeah, you might need a hammer, but with (laughs) people on the fence, you don't want to take that approach. Absolutely. All right. So as we wrap up, tell folks how they can not only follow John Crump himself, who's a very, very busy journalist, um, but also uh, how do you, how do folks find more about the Gunathon and get involved in that? Gunathon is easygunathon.com. Uh, no dashes or anything, just gunathon.com. Uh, to find me, you can find me on Ammo Land. If you go down to contributors, you'll see my name when you click on that. Uh, John Crump, I write probably 30 articles a month. So there's a lot up there. Uh, you can also crumpy.com, C-R-U-M-P-Y.com, links to my articles and whatever I'm doing as well. I relaunched my YouTube channel after the YouTube decided I'm our hurtful person or I put out hurtful content, Second Amendment stuff only. Uh, so they shut down my original channel. But now I got a new channel, John Crump 2, which hopefully will stick around for a little bit. Um, and that's uh, that's about it. Or Real John Crump on Facebook, Real John Crump on Instagram, and Crumpy SS on Twitter. Very cool. Thank you so much for all that you do. It is important. It is valuable. Um, and I'm just really blessed and honored to know you and cannot wait to see you. Are you coming out for the gun rights policy conference? Uh, I cannot, I have some medical stuff going on. So, all right, well, that's here in Arizona, but we will definitely see each other at the gun a thon in April of 2020. And I encourage everybody to look those tickets up get your ticket fast because I'm pretty dang sure that's going to sell out in a heartbeat. I think so too. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Cheryl. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around. There's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.